The minute the booze hits my lips, everything that's important instantly becomes unimportant and all I think about is the next drink. I can function, I can work, I can talk to you, but in my mind, it's that wheel going around. I want the next drink. I want the next drink. And I drink until I it pass out or go to sleep. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, howdy, folks out there in podcast land. That was the voice of Mr. John W. that you heard at the beginning of this episode and more, much more about him in just a moment. But first things first, this episode, this one right here, the one that your ears are perking up to right at this moment is brought to you by Linda and David. You know what they did, Mr. Linda, excuse me, Ms. Linda and Mr. David, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Linda and David, for your generosity. This episode is for you. Okay, right as I am recording this, I should probably not be doing this, but I'm going to go a little bit um, off script here, so to speak, because uh, I wasn't thinking about this before I started recording, and now I'm thinking about it. And that is, I want you guys to know that uh, people like Linda and David, when they go and they make a contribution, and by the way, I don't expect anybody to do this. It's only, as I always say, if the spirit moves you. But I want you to know, because I hate even bringing up the subject of money, but it does t- take money to put this podcast together. And um, my sponsor keeps me straight. Believe me, he keeps me straight. There will never be a dime that I receive to this podcast that I will not use for the podcast and trying to make it better. And, and if by any chance I got some great amount that more than broke even for me, I would take it right down to Alcoholics Anonymous and put it in the basket there. In other words, um, I will not make money off of giving away what was so freely given to me. This is strictly service work. It's not a money-making gig. Um, I absolutely guarantee you that. I've got my own full-time job uh, that I use to pay the bills for me and my family. All right, so enough said on that. Uh, Let's move on here. Um, iTunes review. We got an iTunes review from Sarah 
And in iTunes, it said that the title of it was Love. Gotta love that, huh? Anyway, she says, I love this podcast. Love John. He's so funny. Well, thank you. Real and down to earth. He interviews with such care, love, and ease. You can really feel his care of each person he interviews. I love the interview with Marie R. She's telling my story almost to the T. I could really relate to her story. Thank you, John, for what you do. God has truly used you as an instrument in people's lives in this recovery journey that we are all going through. Bless you and bless your family. Love, hugs, and prayers for you and strength and renewal in your spirit as this must be draining on you at times and trying to find the balance between the podcast, family, and work. P.S. Thank your wife too. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for writing that in. Uh, Those are such, such kind words. And for those of you, apparently this helps us and I don't know, search and all that stuff. And I don't talk about it much, but if you're on your Apple device uh, and you can give us a rating, preferably a high rating if you want to, uh, and you can leave us a little review there, uh, my understanding is that it helps in the search within Apple Podcast or iTunes as it's called. Nonetheless, all right. Have you, you, yes, you, Have you, yes, I'm talking to you. Have you ever wondered what the principles of AA are and what they mean? You know how we're instructed to practice these principles in all our affairs? Ever thought to yourself, yeah, I want to practice these principles in all my affairs, but what are they? Well, Mr. John W. on this episode today will discuss that at length. Now, John W. is also going to talk about some other things. He has been sober since Friday the 13th, yes, Friday the 13th, of June of 1980. Let me do a little bit of math for you there. That is 39 years sober. And he also met his wife in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think it's sometime within that first year, if I remember correctly. And he has been married to this bride Uh, kind of like a boy meets girl on AA campus from the 12 and 12. Uh, He has been married to this bride for 38 years. Uh, He has a life as a musician and a fashion photographer. Both of those are quite interesting in Alcoholics Anonymous. He has two lines in the big book that mean a lot to him. And I'm going to make you listen in to figure out what those two lines in the big book are that mean the most to John. Uh, his ex- he, he had on the beginning a woman as a sponsor, and he talks about that uh, and his experience with her as his sponsor. And at the same time, and I didn't know this till we started interviewing, but his wife, whom he married in AA, Julie, was being sponsored by a man. So uh, very interesting in there. One of my favorite quotes from the entire episode is, integrity is doing the right thing even when it may not be in my best interest. I love that. Integrity is doing the right thing even though it may not be in my best interest. All right, so I'm going to read you one quote here 
from the big book um, before we get started. Uh, and it was posted in our Facebook group um, by Mr. Dave. Now, Dave posted this quote in the big book. It's in our secret Facebook group. By the way, once again, if you want to be in that secret Facebook group, send me your email associated to your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at silverspeak.com. And you can also send me your email if you just want to get on our uh, email distribution list. That's also send it to me at John at silverspeak.com. But nonetheless, Dave posted this in the secret Facebook group, and I love the quote. And so I decided to use it on the front end of our episode today. Um, So what he was doing was posting a quote from Daily Reflections. Now, It gets a little convoluted um, because the quote in Daily Reflections quoted As Bill Sees It on page 15. Now, I went to As Bill Sees It on page 15, and I could completely be wrong on this, and you can let me know if I am. But when I went to As Bill Sees It on page 15, it was not the same quote that appeared in Daily Reflections. And I believe the Daily Reflections quote is from May 27th. And the other thing that I've always been, had an issue with, so to speak, with As Bill Sees It, is it quotes, quotes. In other words, it doesn't give you the source sometimes. Uh, But no, anyway, so I Googled it and I found this. And what this actually comes from is a letter in 1996 that that excuse me 1966 that Bill W wrote and in that letter he said day by day we try to move a little toward toward God's perfection so we need not be consumed by maudlin guilt So we need not be consumed by maudlin guilt for failure to achieve his likeness and image by Thursday next. (laughs) Progress is our aim, and his perfection is the beacon light years away that draws us on. Once again, that was from a Bill W. letter in 1966. And I looked up the word maudlin Because I had a sense of what it meant, but you know, the first definition that came up from the dictionary, I just Googled it, is it said self-pity or tearfully sentimental, often through drunkenness. (laughs) The drink made her maudlin was an example that they used. So I'm going to go back up and I'm going to read that quote that Dave posted in the secret Facebook group. And it says, day by day, we try to move a little toward God's perfection. So we need not be consumed by maudlin guilt for failure to achieve his likeness and image by Thursday next. Progress is our aim and his perfection is the beacon light years away that draws us on. All right. Hopefully that was a tidbit that can help you throughout your week. Now on to Mr. John W. And we will have listener feedback at the end of this episode. 
Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Mr. John W. Can you say hello, Mr. John? Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are quite welcome. I'm glad to hear. John, you and I have known each other now for a long time. Yes, it has been. How long? Ha how we must have met in approximately right when I got sober. I would imagine that's right around 1989, right? We moved down here in 1990, and that's when we met you. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and give your sobriety date on the front end, uh, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Okay. My sobriety date is Friday, June 13th, 1980. Friday, June 13th, 1980. But I happen to know that that was not your first uh, experience with Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You had been in and out for a while, am I right? Yeah, yeah I, was, I came in originally uh, when I was 21 years old. It was uh, January 23rd, 1967. So you came in, so when you came in to AA in 1967, you were a young man, uh, <laughs> and what brought, well, I mean, I know kind of sort in general what would bring somebody into Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous, but was there a particular event that happened? Actually, uh, yes. Uh, I had gotten drunk on a Saturday, and I went down to a hardware store, an old hardware store in Davenport, Iowa. And they kicked me out because I was knocking over big piles of nails and everything else. And that was actually the final straw. That was the, a whole series of events in, the, uh, in my teenage years brought me up to this point. And uh, I couldn't look in the mirror anymore on Monday morning. And I, my uncle sent a big book to my uh, mom and I used to use it to put as a coaster for my drinks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that morning, though, I happened to pick it up and I opened it up. I read the stories in the back and I could relate. And I called AA that day and I went to a meeting that night. And so how did your uncle know about Alcoholics Anonymous? Was he in the program himself? He came in in 1962. Yes. Gotcha. So wow, it's weird how all this comes about, <laughs> isn't it? Okay, so you came in 1967. Obviously, it did not stick. How long were you in for that first time? Well, I was in and out for a couple of years. I stayed sober from 70 to 76. And then I decided to pick up a drink, and I did, and I was out for four more years. Wow. And where were you during this time? In other words, we're part of the, I'm assuming you were in the United States? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking, yeah. Right. That was your recollection. Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, no, I was in Davenport, Iowa. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You said that. Okay. Yeah. So you're Davenport, Iowa that whole time. All right. So I believe at some point you made it down to the Phoenix area. Is that yes, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I drank myself through a, a marriage and a couple marriages in that time, and uh, ended up in 1979 moving to Phoenix. And in 1980, I came back in. And so when you came back in, was there a particular event, once again, that brought you in? Or were you just no. sick and tired of being sick and tired? I was, uh, there was no, nothing special. It was, uh, it was the same. See, when I drink, my, here's my alcoholism. My alcoholism, and it's always been this way, I never had a, a honeymoon period with alcohol. The minute the booze hits my lips, everything that's important instantly becomes unimportant, and all I think about is the next drink. 
I can function, I can work, I can talk to you, but in my mind, it's that wheel going around. I want the next drink, I want the next drink, and I drink until I pass out or go to sleep, yeah. or any another interesting situations occur. Right. But nothing happened that night out of out of the ordinary. But I woke up in the morning, and I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to live, and I didn't want to die. And I had enough. And I called AA and uh, found a group in Scottsdale, Arizona. On, this is a Friday. Because I, I called in sick for work that day. And I went to the noon meeting. And I, when I got to the noon meeting, the room was filled with people. And full of smoke, too, because it was it was in the old Mary Moppets uh, daycare center. So there's paintings all over the wall of kids on swings and teeter-totters. And they're all yellow from the smoke. But it, <laughs> it, it, was, it was fun. People were laughing, but I was shaking horribly. And they took me to the back room after the meeting. And they, a guy came up to me. He goes, how you doing? I, I said, well, I'm going to try to stay sober. This time he says, did you drink today? I go, no. He says, well, you're sober. Come back to, we have a meeting at 5.30. I'll, I'll see you there at 5.30, and we'll go from there. Just don't drink. And that's, that was me coming back to AA. So you mentioned there a second ago that we moved here to the Dallas area uh, in 1989, 1990, yes. right? So I know that I know your lovely bride. Yes. Uh, her name is Julie. It is. <laughs> yes. And so you guys met. How soon did you meet Julie in the rooms? You met in the rooms of AA, right? We did. We met at the Arid Club in Phoenix, Arizona. What's it called? The Arid? Arid. Like like dry, Arid. Yes. It was, it was a cool meeting. It was a downtown group. And at the 530 meeting, it was where the bikers went. And, it's, and then there was a line of Mercedes and Rolls Royces because the businessmen would come there. So the 530 meeting was quite... A, a collection of uh, characters. An eclectic uh, <laughs> collection of characters. Yeah. So uh, I'd been sober for a while, and Julie had been sober. She has more time than I do. How much more time do you know? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> 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 About a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, so we're sitting here. I, I wasn't looking for anybody. I was happy living with myself and in sobriety. She wasn't in the same thing for her. But we were sitting across the table from each other at the 5.30 meeting, and we just, something clicked. Boy meets girl on AA campus. See, my sponsor knew her sponsor and vice versa. Now, my sponsor was a lady. Hers was a guy. And uh, uh, so after the meeting, I said, hey, you know, you want to go to dinner? She goes, no, I already ate. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, I have to go buy a light bulb. I live in Scottsdale. Do you want to come with me? She goes, yeah, I can do that. And I really did. I had to buy a light bulb. I was, you couldn't see in the apartment. So we went up and bought a light bulb and uh, went and I uh, said, oh, would you like to go out Friday and go to Mel Tillis with me? And she goes, sure. Mel Tillis? Yeah. yeah. The country singer. Yeah. Yeah, the stutterer guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an awesome man. And uh, so anyway, I, I didn't tell her I was, I didn't realize, but I was photographing him. So we were going backstage in that. But anyway, she moved in that night. And then two days later, we were engaged. But we didn't, 
we didn't want to rush into anything, so we decided to wait two months. Actually, the two-month thing was her sponsor said she couldn't get married until she had two years. Uh-huh. <laughs> she had two years, so we got married the day after. Really? Yeah. And my sponsor, well, if I, told, if I asked my sponsor, should I do something? She always said, well, if you have to ask, the answer is no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't ask. I'm marrying Julie. She goes, okay you want to do it at, our, at, at my house? And I said, sure, fine. So that's really the story. And then Julie and I have uh, worked together for the last uh, 38 years. So together. The, there's a couple things I want to cover there. Number one is that uh, I want to get a little bit into your, your career. You mentioned that you were photographing Mel Tillis, and yeah. I'm assuming that was part of a job. And we're going to get into that in just a second, and what you've done for many years or used to do. And uh, then the other thing I want to talk about is that you just said she, your sponsor. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, you hear a lot in AA, right? Men work with men and women work with women. Uh, and it's not a, you know, a, it's not a directive. It's not anywhere in the big book. Mm-hmm. It's just suggested. But you had a woman sponsor and it yeah. actually worked out very well. So can you talk about that experience? Sure. Yeah. I uh, When I came back in, in 1980, I, I was looking for a sponsor that had what I wanted. And what I wanted was somebody that had confidence in life and could build life and, and hardcore as far as uh, calling me on my going out in unusual places, yes. <laughs> living at the edge where I love to live. And, uh, and uh, when I first talked to her about sponsoring me, uh, the first thing she says, are you done drinking? I go, yes. She goes, well, I hate to see you come in a court low, you know, and I go, Okay, well, we got that figured out. But anyway, uh, she told me that she goes, call me every day for two weeks. If you miss, I figured, or you get drunk, then I figured you fired me and don't call me anymore. Okay. All of a sudden, I had to become responsible. Now, had she sponsored men in oh, yeah. the past? Okay. She sponsored uh, uh, four guys and uh, four women. Really? Yeah. I said, Back in the day, it wasn't unusual. She also told me she expected me to outgrow her in two years. I go, what does that mean? She goes, we'll be friends after that, and I'll come to you with my problems. Mm. I expect your experiences to to outgrow what I can teach you. Very nice. So that was the thing. I would call her. uh, I would go, you know, I'm really angry about this. What do you want to do this? I want to do something stupid. She goes, okay, let's come up with two other things. You can't do that stupid thing, but let's come up with two other things. And then she'd say, you know, pick one of them, do it, call me tomorrow morning, let me know how it turned out. So I had to become responsible, a participant in my recovery. Okay, so where folks kind of assume that it may get dicey. Now, I've never sponsored another woman, uh, and I didn't have a woman sponsor, so I don't really have experience in this arena, but I think where people kind of focus on is that when you get to like a sexual inventory and you get to some issues that are kind of a little bit uh, uh, salacious, so to speak, that they're mm-hmm. concerned that there may be, uh, I don't know, just with some uncomfortability with a woman. Well, that's, that's up to the individual. That's not something that bothered me, and it's not something that bothered her. And, and uh, so yeah, it's an issue if I make it an issue. I'm there to save my life, and I'm talking to somebody that had what I wanted. I wanted to have the confidence. I wanted to have that being able to report for life sober every day and 
live in the now and, and end the day uh, a better person. Yeah. And, you know, here's what I really think it comes down to. If the motives are good on both sides, it's right. it's fine, right? It's a person yeah. talking to another person. So. Exactly. Okay. I'm sorry. Did you oh, still the, want to say something? I have to interact with uh, women outside the program, and this is a good way for me to learn how to do it. Good point. Good point. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your career a little bit there. <laughs> Speaking so, of women. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned that you were a, when you went to go to that concert with Julie on the front end, you were going to uh, photograph uh, Mel Tillis. So you were a photographer. I believe you were a fashion photographer. I was a fashion photographer. At that time, I was the uh, advertising photographer for Phoenix Newspapers. We're the ninth largest paper in the country. And uh, so... And so that was like a soap opera job, really. I mean, it was before cell phones. I had my own secretary. She's the only one that knew where I was. And they didn't care pretty much what I did as long as I got my assignments done every week. I I want to tell you about what happened. I got fired from that job after two years. And is this sober? or Sober. Okay, gotcha. And uh, uh, this program, the spirituality of the program, the day I got fired, I walked out of the office and the first thing that popped in my mind was, wow, I can't wait to see what you have in store for me next. And I never left a job like that before. But then, then Julie, I said, we, I went home and I said, well, well, I'm no longer working at the paper. She said, what do I do? I said, let's start our own business. She, she said, okay. And she ended up quitting her job. We uh, started our own business. And I went, I went back into fashion photography. And uh, we ended up with the uh, world's largest daylight studio. It world's was, largest what? Daylight studio? Daylight, yeah. What, what is that? I'm sorry. It's an outdoor studio, 28 acres. And uh, we're based out of London. But uh, the studio itself was in Carefree, Arizona. So what is the, the, what's behind the studio? You're taking photographs. Is there anything in particular you're specializing in? Fashion. It's all fashion, yes. And uh, we'd bring models in from all over the world. And uh, uh, our clients from all over. Really? Yeah. Then we uh, left there. We went to Chicago and headed up uh, fashion departments for a couple of major studios up there. And we shot all the uh, catalogs. We shot... Uh, uh, stores, designers, you know, all the de- major designers that you've heard of, we have photographed. So when you were younger, did you think, I want to do this for a living, or did you just fall into Yeah, that? I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Get paid to take, yeah, uh, let's see, yeah, I, I had always been a photographer. My dad taught me when I was young, and uh, uh, I found out I could make money doing it. What about Julie? Did she have any experience or would she just kind of learn from you? Julie was production and uh, Julie had major experience in production and she handled the business end of it. The uh, uh, scheduling, the uh, booking, the all the logistics, Uh, because you do a fashion shoot, it's it can be quite, quite a lot of different things are going on at once. And if you make a mistake and you're the photographer, you have to pay for the location and the models and everything else to make it, to shoot it two weeks down the line mm. when they decide it's not the right thing. So yeah, Julie is one of the top in the, anywhere doing that. 
So is that what brought you to the Dallas area? Yes, our main client was Saks Inc. Uh, and uh, they wanted to shoot on location 12 months a year. So Dallas was perfect because there's seasons and we could uh, make things uh, look like uh, whatever area they want to be in. If we, we, we shot a, a Liz Claiborne ad at Lake Louisville on a white sandy beach, it looked like you're on the ocean. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's fun. And Dallas, with pennies here, there were always models in town, and we could book models uh, when they weren't working for them. So it's kind of fun, yeah. That sounds great. What a what a fascinating career. Uh, it, I've, I've been blessed with it, with that, and uh, I would never have had any of that without being sober, without having the program. Do you still do that sort of work? Occasionally, yes. I still shoot all the time, and uh, uh, but we don't do the large production things. Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> I'm getting a little old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's right. kind of fun. So, so I know you're a musician as well. Yes, right. So, and so, and and let me go ahead and just kind of pause here and say this: is that, you know, a lot of the folks that I have come in here to sober speak, are you know they have this long history drinking, and then they have a smaller history uh, sober. Most of your history is now sober in mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous. And like you mentioned earlier, the reason that these things have been afforded to you, like your career and these other things, is because and being a musician and such, is because you've been sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Exactly. So yes. that's fantastic. So talk about being a musician and what the, what the musical world has done for you. We we were I've always been a musician. I was a drummer, and then I bought a, a, a little sports car. It was hard to carry drums around, so I switched to guitar. <laughs> but we ended up we did a record back in 1964, and we were getting radio play. I mean, we're, it was on the it was on the radio for about two months. Then the Beatles came out. Oh no, those darn Beatles! <laughs> yeah, I know. So we all, so we all got jobs. <laughs> the one group that. Uh, uh, that I played with a little bit in 65, they're still together and they're still alive. And uh, they just made it in the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was kind of cool. that They just made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? The Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Iowa Rock. Yeah, but okay. it's, cool. And they're, yeah. Still, they're still playing gigs. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> but the music thing, when I came in uh, back in in 1980, I wasn't sure what I, what I was going to do because I could make money in music. I could make money in photography i had a little problem with stage fright and when i was on the stage yeah. but uh when i was playing clubs and stuff and things it was no big deal but uh so that was you know, i had made made a list of things she said do an inventory on each on photography and do it on music so i did and uh ended up photography one i didn't want to be in clubs. I wanted to know where I was every night. I wanted to have a life. I wanted to uh, have a family. I wanted to do things like that. And music is great. And I, uh, But I really didn't want to be on the road type of atmosphere. It's not conducive to my sobriety. And I have a lot of friends that do it. They tour all the time and have all their life. But it wasn't my cup of tea at the time. 
So let's talk a little bit about the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I mean by that is I've heard you in meetings many times. I know that the principles of alcohol, and and just so, so everybody knows, we're talking about, I guess, in essence, what it talked about, where it says, uh, place principles before personalities, practice the principles of the programs. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people will kind of step back and they go, okay, I want to practice the principles. I want to put principles before personalities, but hey, what are the principles? And hold on just a second, okay, before we go on. We will be continuing our conversation with John W. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. There you will find approximately 75, 80 other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. John W. And we are going to talk about the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, the principles. The way I was taught the program, I had two sponsors. Uh, Clarence Hagen, he's dead. Now he died in 1972. He sobered up in the early 40s. And, uh, and McKay. And I got to looking at step 12, and it says, practice these principles in all my affairs. So I said, well, what are the principles? Where do I find them? What, how do I learn them? And Dr. Bob set up the program, my understanding is that one through three was trust God. Four through nine was clean house. Then 10, 11, and 12 was help others. Well, 10, 11, the principles to me, the way I learned them, are the application of, of the steps in my everyday life. And the first uh, principle behind one was uh, honesty. And I honestly wanted to be sober more than I wanted anything else in the world. And so for those listening at home, some people are very familiar with the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Some are not as familiar, yes. right? So the first step is, oh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Powerless over alcohol. We are powerless over alcohol and our lives have become an event. Yes, well, thank you very yes. much. So the, so the principle behind that is honesty. Hon- honesty. See, and I experienced that honesty by doing the step. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be honest. And the honesty has to do for me is uh, being honest with myself. This is, yes, I will do this. No, I won't. I remember my sponsor, uh, I had a tra- problem with people saying no to people. I'd go, well, maybe, oh, yeah, I'll help. I'll help you move again, you know, and all this other stuff. Well, she said for, she suggested that for a month that I either say yes or no. I will or I won't. And so I did that, and that helped me find that honesty. All right, two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. All right, two. Came to believe a power greater than myself. Now, the power for me, power for me was hope. I can't. I found the hope in the rooms, and the and the principle is hope behind that. And the insanity for me, my my, the way I understand insanity is believing that I am the center of the universe. The world revolves around me. 
So I know by being around other members of the of the group that they have been able to deal with everything that I am have dealt with or are about to deal with without picking up a drink. There's the hope. All right, third. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Faith. Faith. Yes. Knowing that no matter what happens, it's okay. See, and I can't, that's the first of the trust God steps. And uh, so I have honesty, hope, and faith. And faith that everything is the way it's supposed to be, which I need to have in those orders before I can go on to four. Maybe searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. Be the principle behind that's courage. That means I'm, I'm doing something that has scared me forever. And it's finding my defects. It's finding what I use as an excuse for my bad behavior. I am angry. You got to understand I was angry. You got to understand I was afraid. That sounds an awful lot to me. Like you got to understand I was drunk. Okay. Right. So I have that courage. I face the, the, my biggest fear is looking at me. All right. Once I have that, then there's integrity. Number five. Yeah. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature yeah. of our wrongs. And standing toe to toe with somebody and letting them know who I am. And integrity to me is doing the right thing, even though it might not be in my best interest. See, this is all a process of getting out of self. Uh, on uh, six, willing to have remove my shortcomings, that willingness. Yes, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do things. I'm willing to make. I'm willing to participate. I'm willing to let go of self and 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 embrace spirituality more. Seven, humbly ask them to remove our shortcomings. The principle behind that is humility. Knowing I'm not the center of the universe. Yeah, so humility's talked a lot about in the rooms, right? It's uh, one of those words that everyone's got their own (laughs) definition for, but whatever works for them, right? Yes. But you say humility is, what is that again? Knowing that That I'm I'm not the center of the universe. Correct. Very well. So dive into that a little bit more. All right. When I drank, all I thought about was self. It was all self-serving. All my defects were self-serving. Everything. And it, because when I drank, when the minute the booze hit the lips, everything became important, became unimportant. It allowed me to dwell into self and, and be my own world. You see, when I came into 1967, actually, the bottle had stopped working. It used to be me and the bottle. Okay, come on, buddy, you know. And uh, But that bottle had stopped working, and... Uh, I could go. Uh, that's what the, the, this helps get me out of self into the into the light, and it's and it's a part of cleaning up the wreckage of my past. It gets me to the point now I can go on to eight, which is made a list yes. of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Yes, and that's brotherly love. I'm finally thinking outside of myself. I left holes in people's lives. And I realized that I was with the courage, the integrity, all the stuff I had that I've learned so far, I'm able now to look at these holes and say, gosh, this is the damage I've done. So the principle behind eight brotherly is love. brotherly love. Yes. I don't think I've ever heard that before. And mm-hmm. I love the way that you phrase that. I think yeah. that's great. And then nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
is filling those holes that I left in their life. And I don't do that for me. I do that for them. The byproduct of doing that is that I get relief from it. But the the, uh, the thing is, is that, now, I've had people that did not want my amends. So I had to figure out another way to make the amends that would clean up so that, clean up that wreckage. If nothing else, you know, if I owed the money, I could give it to a charity. If if I was, if if I am not not doing the same thing to somebody else, but yeah, that's discipline. Nine is discipline. Okay, so nine is discipline. Mm-hmm. I had written down filling holes left in their lives, but another way of putting that is the discipline of carrying through on the amends process. It's discipline. You know, one thing my sponsor suggested, and I did this today, and I do this every day, is make my bed in the morning, every day. I do nothing else in the day, make my bed. And it's amazing when I, if I do nothing else in the day, when I was newly sober, if I did nothing else in the day and I came home and I looked in my bedroom, the bed was made. I did something. It's being that participant. See, now that brings us up to the, the cool part. Now, the, there's two lines in the big book I got to talk to you about. These are the two lines that my sponsor would go over and over. In my big book, we didn't have the uh, acceptance stuff in that. And so let me give a little backdrop on this as well. Uh, I had asked John before he came over to bring something from the big book or some of the AA literature that really means uh, uh, that it's something significant to him, right? Mm -hmm. And John said, you know, there are really only two lines in the big book. I said, okay, don't tell me what they are yet, uh, but I want you to be able to talk about those on the podcast. So here we are to the two lines in in the big book. So (laughs) for those of you listening out there, if you don't hear anything else, hear this part. These are are John's two favorite lines in the big book. My uh, sponsor would drill these both into me. The first one is the spiritual principles of Alcoholics Anonymous will solve all my problems. It's on page 42. And I'm giving you a general, <laughs> but that's basically what it says. And then the most important line, and I heard this every day after I asked uh, Kay to sponsor me, it's, and it's uh, a line just before the promises. This is the last paragraph just before the promises, the last line is to the effect, as God's people, we crawl before an old man. We stand on our own two feet. Okay, so talk to me about those two lines. Okay. And I want to get back to 10, 11, and 12 on yes, the principles well, of those it. before we round out. But maybe this takes dovetails right in into it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, the, re- the reason I said, well, spiritual principles, that's why the principles are important to me. Clarence, my first sponsor, is talking about the principles all the time. And uh, I figured out he was in when AA wasn't even 10 years old. So I figured that was, <laughs> he knew what he was talking about on that. But the, uh, uh, the stand on your own two feet, that's what I wanted to be able to do. And in the big book, it talks about, at step 10, uh, we, we start clean. Our wreckage is done. There's nothing in the past that we haven't left undone. If so, and so that takes us to, 10, which is perseverance. Which is, and just to let folks know, in case they don't okay, know the yes. book as well, <laughs> continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Yes. And so the principle behind that one is perseverance. Correct. It's something I do. This is me applying my program. The principles are the application of the steps. 
I know how to, I know what my defects are. I love that. The principles are the applications of the steps. Yes. It enables me to go out and participate in the world with a set of values. And that's so, uh, I, I know if I'm in traffic and somebody cuts me off and I start getting this justifiable anger, that's me now trying to use one of my defects as an excuse for bad behavior. Okay? Well put. So, and there are times when I've been known to do something, <laughs> but I'm able to make amends for it right away. I don't wait till tomorrow. I, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. I, I got to take care of this, you know. And uh, so, and all of a sudden, I keep my slate clean. Here's what my sponsor told me. I'm going to talk about praying for a second here because we're getting into spirituality, which is 11. I had a tough time with with God and all this stuff when I came. I, I used to be angry at God when I came in. So where do you think that anger came from? Are you able to self-centeredness? Somebody oh. was bigger than me. <laughs> I don't know what it came from. No, it just had, I don't know. I was brought up Catholic, but I think that's great because if you're going to be an alcoholic, be a Catholic because there's more booze in the churches. <laughs> I mean, you go to a wedding reception there. My uncles were handing me beer all the time. I was like 12 years old and hammered. But anyway, no, I don't know what it was. It had nothing to do with the religion. It just had to do with, with where I put myself into life. But she said, I, I said, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to ask him for things anymore. I've always let him down. She goes, why don't you try this for a year? She says, thank him for what he gave you, what he took away, and what he has left you. Thank, you for thank what him you. for what he gave you, what he took away, and what he has left you. Yes. and But you know, me being newly sober, I go, well, what about the things I want? Mm. <laughs> so she says, make a list and thank him in advance. Then report for life sober every day to see what he has in store for you. Report for life sober every day to see what he has in store for you. I'm sorry I keep repeating all these things, <laughs> but I'm I'm writing them down, and I'm also trying to make them register with me a little bit more because mm-hmm. I love what you're saying. Oh. So, okay, so I have the, that takes me into spirituality, which is uh, 11. See, I, did, I couldn't meditate successfully before that because before I got the humility part, because when I, I was pretty much about me. <laughs> right. Okay. So 11 is sought through prayer and meditation mm-hmm. to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Mm-hmm. Praying only for knowledge of his will. Thank us. you very much. I and knew the there was something to carry in there. there. Yeah. Right. Um, that that it works right into my prayer. Okay, so what's the principle behind 11? Spirituality. I'm sorry, spirituality. That's finally when I get it. <laughs> gotcha. So I have the spirituality. So when I walk into a business meeting, not knowing if it's going to go well or not, I turn it over. I say, I'll do the effort. You do the results. Whatever the results are. If I get it, I go, wow, this is cool. I've grown this much. Or if it's not, here's a, a that list I told you about, uh, thanking him in advance. There was one thing, everything came to, I came to pass within the first year, except for one thing. I was 34 years old and they just had a, those, you know, those big stages they use for like uh, huge with the lights and the jumbotron behind and all yeah. the 13 subwoofers underneath. All yeah. that. I wanted to play on one of those things, but there was two things holding me back at the time that was talent and stage fright. <laughs> so I just continued. Yeah. I figured, yeah, every, you know, I just f- really forgot about it. 
And when I was 64, I got a, uh, I was having lunch with a, a mayor and they're, they're, they're a couple city people. And they said, hey, we're putting on a, a little uh, music festival. Do you want to play in it? I said, yeah. He said, we'll pay you. I said, okay, that's great. And so anyway, I get the contracts. I signed them in that. The next day, I get a picture of the stage, and it was one of those uh, right. big stages. Yeah, it was kind of fun. And I looked at it. Oh, I, the first thing was immediate stage fright. And then I go, hold it. I thanked him for this. It means I'm ready for it. Because I didn't want things put in my life before I was ready for it. It was Then the nerves turned into excitement, nervous excitement. And yeah, I should get up on the stage, I remember. And I had my trio up there, and I... I heard the thing going, and I heard my voice come through it. And they had a jumbotron. All three of us on the trio were looking down at ourselves, you know, and stuff. But it, it, what a blessing. Oh, that's great. And we played for that same festival for another four years. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What kind of music do you play? Uh, hopefully good. <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe. Yeah, but I had a, you know, a lead guy, a, a bass guy, and a, myself, I sing and play. But it's pretty much anything, but I rearrange it to... Uh, to suit what we do right. it's kind of fun so because my my Kay told me she said when i came and she goes you're 34 now when you're 65 if they make a movie of your life would you want to watch it mm. that started me thinking yeah i actually am responsible for this and yes i've been married to julie for 38 years and we work together all the time still she's a lot younger than me even yeah. though she has more time <laughs> but yes but even at the sequel the last seven years i'd watch there's more exciting things have happened that are unbelievable but it's simply reporting for life sober every day realizing i'm not the center of the universe taking care of the wreckage of my present which is 10 11 12 it is the action it's the stuff that i need to do every day that keeps me where the steps are that I, that's where I apply what I learned in the steps. I know what courage feels like. I know what integrity feels like because I did that step. I know what humility is. I know what brotherly love is. Honesty, hope the rest of them. So when I'm doing any action, my responsibility is to carry that into my thinking, when I'm, my decision-making. Do we cover the principle behind step number 12 already? No. So, the most important one. Right, right. So the principle, okay, so step number 12 is, oh my goodness, I'm blanking here. What is? Having had a spiritual awakening. As a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to al other alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the cue up there. Yeah. All right, so the principle behind that one is? Service. And service doesn't isn't only going, talking to another alcoholic. It isn't doing a... Uh, doing anything else. it could be as simple as walking by someone and smiling and say hello it doesn't have to be anything picking up a piece of paper on the floor i mean it's simple stuff it's not brain surgery yeah you hear people all the time saying well i haven't been around long enough to you know serve or you know i'm just i'm afraid to serve it's it's not real complicated no I mean, you can serve, you know, through your group and take positions and such. Which we should. Right. But I also know that <clears throat> there is a, uh, there's an example I have. There was some lady named Trish in our group once who was walking up to our group and she was, she had her hand down and I could tell something was in her hand. 
And I said, what do you have in your hand there, Trish? And she she kind of opened up her hand. She goes, oh, these are just cigarette butts. They were on the ground out here. I'm carrying them in, and I'm going to throw them in the trash can. Mm-hmm. And to me, that always stuck with me. You know, yeah. she was picking up other people's cigarette butts that they had left outside sure. their meeting, and she was bringing them in to throw them in the trash. And to me, that was an incredible example of being of service and alcoholics exactly. anonymous. Exactly. That's, that's it. That's it. And it's... And, Yes, we do the twelve-step work, but the, the I think the most important part, uh, the equally important part, is uh, practicing the principles. And once I learn the principles, then I can practice them. Mm-hmm. I let it, I've let go of the past. I've let go of the past totally. Yes, I remember it because I don't shut the door on it because I use that to share my experience, strength, and hope. But I don't have to live there anymore. That's right. And because we've taken, we cleaned it up the best we can. I remember I had 22 years. It's something that I missed on my four step popped up. I didn't have to do another four step. I had a 10 step for that. Go, yeah. Oh my goodness. You got to take care of this. So it just popped. Right. And yeah, that's just, we're never in. through, are no, we? No. And I just want, I was, and it was, I, I went over and this person uh, accepted the amends and she had forgotten about it. She goes, yeah, but that was something I did it because I wanted to fill that hole that I'd left. I like how you say that too. It's filling the holes for others. Yes. And the byproduct of that is being able to stand on my own two feet and crawl before no man. You know, everybody has their own kind of philosophy, if you will. Um, And I'm not knocking this because I know a lot of people really get benefit out of this. Uh, like, uh, basically they do the self love thing, right? They stand in the front of the mirror and say, you know, I love you. You know, you're a good person and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. The way that I always understood it when I was getting sober, uh, is that when I concentrate on filling the holes for your life, um, when I concentrate on making amends and I concentrating on getting right with you and I concentrating on getting right with God, well, the byproduct of that, as you say, mm-hmm. is that I'm filled up internally. Yeah. yeah I still, my, my daily reflection consists of standing in front of the mirror. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I can't say enough for self-affirmation. I mean, it really, uh, because, uh, my, my when I did some I do something right my sponsor said, pat yourself on the back Give yeah and there's e- there's even re- there's references to it in the twelve and twelve about not just uh you know figuring out the bad parts of what you do during the day but also filling in you know what you did sure. right though so that's that's an inventory just knowing what I have and what I don't have mm-hmm. and that uh and that enables me to practice and trudge as they say, but to better myself every day. Oh, this happened before. Oh, I know that I'm using my defect. Oh, I know. The minute I start doing that, I'm getting, when I start using my defects as excuses for bad actions, then I know I'm in a slippery, slippery area. If we were able to put out images on this podcast, which we don't, obviously, in respect <laughs> of the AA traditions, um, I would have you taking a picture of yourself in the morning of you standing in front of the mirror saying, wow, that would be a great one for this particular episode. Oh, I got a ton of those photos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just, go just save them. <laughs> I got to call my sponsor now. <laughs> oh, there's that defect again. 
<laughs> oh, this is great. All right. So we're kind of getting to the end of this to wrap it up. Is there anything that you have not spoken about that you want to leave on the table? I think that we've covered pretty much, this is a lot of stuff, but this is, this is how I work my program. It's how I apply my program and I, I can carry it. And uh, I heard somebody say once, well, that's okay for here, but we can't do it in business. Well, we can do it in business. I ended up being a nationally known photographer. We had a studio in Chicago and uh, we're doing some of the top work in the country. And yes, we could carry it into business. And that's because that's what I am now. Yeah, we don't uh, separate ourselves and Mm -hmm. live different lives in uh, each area. I lay down at night. I go to sleep within two or three minutes. I like to go to sleep when I lay down. That's right. (laughs) Well put. Well put. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go ahead and close this out with page 164 of the big book here, Mr. John. It says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And what we just read there was really just a summation of all the principles that John just covered on this episode. Thank you so much for being here today, John. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. How about that, John W.? I am so privileged that I get to sit down with folks like John W. and all of the other guests who come in here. And I'm just thankful, so thankful that they come in here, spend some time with me and share some of their wisdom. And then obviously, I get to share that wisdom with you guys. So thank you for dropping by, Mr. John W. So if you have some feedback that you would like me to pass on to Mr. John W., please do send an email to me at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com and I'll get that over to John W. There are way too many Johns going around this place. This is a multitude of Johns. Maybe we would call this a Jonathan. Okay, I will go ahead and quit this silliness now. Now it is time for some listener feedback from you guys. You know, this is kind of like, uh, I, I just cannot believe I get so much listener feedback. And I am oh, just beside myself with joy that I, you guys write in, uh, some of you call in, some of you uh, uh, a direct message me on Instagram. Um, and I'm just, uh, I don't, I'm just so thankful. So anyway, here we go with the listener feedback. Heather from Wyoming writes in on Instagram and she actually says today's episode. Oh, she's talking about Ricky R. And she said, today's episode was amazing. I was having a bad day and really, truly feeling sorry for myself. And because I was in that negative mindset, I was actually avoiding the podcast. I know it sounds strange, but it's just like I wanted to be upset today. But then I had seen a new episode was posted, so I set my negative thinking aside and I listened. And oh my goodness, I'm grateful I did. Today's episode with Ricky 
And my home group meeting really changed my day and thinking around. Thank you again so many times over for doing what you do. I wish I could express in better words what it means to me. God bless you, John, and every person you bring on. Well, thank you, Heather, up there in Wyoming. I'm so glad that you were able to turn yourself around and make some better choices. And you know, it's kind of like when they say, uh, the only time I need to go to a meeting is when I think I don't need to go to a meeting and when I want to go to a meeting. Just go to the darn meeting. Anyway, Michelle writes in from New Zealand. She says, hi, John. I live in New Zealand and I am considering going to AA. However, I'm pretty nervous about the commitment and what it would mean for my marriage as my husband loves to drink but doesn't have the same problems I do. In fact, he doesn't think I have a problem, just thinks I need to choose the times and days that I drink and only drink when it suits him. I'm realizing I just don't have that control. I love listening to your podcast and am very inspired by all the stories shared. Keep up the good work. And she also says, P.S. If there was anybody in Auckland, New Zealand, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, A-U-C-K-L-A-N-D, and they, and they want to get in touch with me, I'd love that too, Michelle. And then she gives me her phone number. Obviously, I'm not going to say that uh, to all these people that are listening in. But if you are in Auckland, that's a Texas way of saying probably something that is not very close where it could be close. Anyway, um, uh, if you were in Auckland, Missouri, Missouri, oh my goodness. If you're in Auckland, New Zealand, and you would like to get in touch with Michelle, you pass me on her, your info to John at soberspeak.com. I will pass it on to her and I will get out of the middle and let you all communicate. All right. Cody writes in and Cody says, good morning, John. My name is Cody. I love the podcast. You know, I kind of put the love piece in there. He just says love. Who knows how, what kind of inflection he was putting on that love. But nonetheless, I'm 30 days in today after a relapse, but have been listening to Sober Speak every day, most of the day, as I am a truck driver who runs Midwest to Texas and back. I'm emailing to request membership to the Facebook group. My address associated with my Facebook group is such and such. I just wanted to let you know I shared your podcast in a group that we recently created for truck drivers struggling with addiction. It's called The Nutshell. Thanks again. And so I wrote back to him and I asked him about The Nutshell because I was interested in that. Anything that can help folks stay sober. I'm very interested in it. And he said, the the nutshell deal is of now online. We launched it two days ago. So word has yet to get around, but it has already grown. The eventual goal is to have enough members to the group to where drivers can help, can get 
together and have an in-person meeting at the truck stops. I'm hoping it grows and people will share their locations and directions they are heading and be able to set up groups and meetings along the way. Also, if someone is in need of help or if they're struggling, they can send out an SOS, so to speak. And if someone can help make it to them, they can stop and talk over dinner, coffee, or whatnot. It's still in the infancy stage, but those are our goals to reach. As for me, I come from a long line of drivers and alcoholics. I'm 35 and I was told three months after I turned 30, I had a year to live if I didn't stop drinking, I turned jaundice and was pre-cirrhotic. I hope I, um, that's a medical term. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. C-I-R-R-H-O-T-I-C. Nonetheless, uh, needless to say, I have been battling it off and on for the last five years. Never really made it past five months dry. I finally realized after my last relapse There is a reason God has kept me alive, and the reason is that I'm still in the trucking industry and haven't lost my license. There is a reason God keeps pushing me back to this program, and I absolutely believe that God has made me who I am, an alcoholic truck driver, to serve His purpose for the greater good. Oh, wow, that's great. Anyway, I finally woke up and I put the pieces together. My wife is doing great things in Al-Anon and AA. She's a double winner. And I woke up and decided that if I wanted what she had, um, and I woke up and I decided I wanted what she had. She is just shy of her two-year chip. Anyway, sorry for the long-winded, uh, sorry for the long-winded, uh, uh, whatever here, keep up the good work. Thanks for all you do. Wow. Okay. So I wrote back to him and I said, Hey, can you tell me how people will get in touch with the nutshell just so I can let them, uh, just in case there are truck drivers or others who want to support you out there. And he said, wow, what a blessing that would be. Gave me the good goosebumps reading that laugh at, laugh out loud. People can reach us on Facebook by looking up at the nutshell six four eight. So that is at the nutshell six four eight. That's the username, and our closed group should pop up with that too. They can also click on the group section of our page and request to join the closed group. That would be amazing if you could help us spread the word. Thank you so much. And then later he wrote, after he had been driving around and came into another truck stop, he said, sorry to bother you again, John. It's no bother. He said, just an observation from today and another reason why we started our group. The truck stop I'm in tonight has chrome lights, a full rack of porn, a liquor store, and a, tat- and a tattoo shop all in one stop. Some of these guys here don't have a fighting chance. It's it's reasons like this that we started our group. So once again, if you guys want to join that uh, uh, Facebook group, it's uh, at the nutshell 648. All right. And if you have any problems with that, just email me. Let me know. All right. Hannah writes in and Hannah says, 
The, the title of the email is thank you. And it says today was the first time listening to your podcast. And I have to say, thank you so much for what you do. You have inspired me to continue my journey of sobriety. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, I've struggled with my drinking problem for the last two years and have had so many things people lost due to my problem. I am once again in AA and I am very proud of myself to say I am three days sober. Three days sober. She goes on, God bless you, and I look forward to listening to your podcast more and more, Hannah. Well, Hannah, congratulations on your three days sober. By the time you hear this, hopefully it's going to be more days sober than that, but thank you so much for writing in. I do appreciate it. Donna writes in, and Donna is an Al-Anon, and Donna says, Hello, John. I am the mother of an adult alcoholic son, and I've currently been researching this horrible disease. I am very new and learning all there is to know about it, and I didn't realize my son had a problem until recently. My son is now in recovery, and I feel the need to do my part to help support him. I was pursuing podcasts and came across The Recovery Show. That's my my friend Spencer who does The Recovery Show. And he mentioned your podcast, Sober Speak. So I subscribed to it. So I subscribed to both and thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm hearing. Though he's not alone in this and that there is hope for him. These podcasts as well as a newly joined Al-Anon group here in Pennsylvania has been a big game changer for me. I never realized the true depth and width of alcoholism, but now that I'm living through my son, my heart breaks for him. Thank God he is now coming out of that pit and onto the road of recovery. If I could, I'd like to be added to the Facebook group so I can gain even more insight from others who have been in his shoes. My email is such and such. Thank you providing thank you for for providing such a wonderful service to those of us who are fighting this addiction. Much love and peace to you. Oh, thank you so much for writing in and God bless you and your son, Donna. Um, many, many blessings to you. Okay. Chitana. Once again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She has written in before and she is from Italy. She has the spicy meatballs. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so sorry. But Chitana writes in from Italy and she says, What a surprise. Dear John, greetings from Italy. I was thrilled to be listening the other day to your podcast and heard my letter read on air. Thank you so much for sharing my story. You asked about what the YP stood for And I wanted to let you know a bit of the history of AA online meetings. Okay, so she attends something, I believe it's called YP164, and uh, she wanted to let me know what YP stood for because I had no idea when I was reading it online, when I was reading it on the air. And uh, she says, below is an article from Dan F., a man and good friend who who was and is on the front lines of our Uh, line community. 
our, of our online community and instrumental in performing the uh, the task associated with being in the group. I wanted to pass along this to you as there are many alcoholics out there, and this is why I'm reading this, many alcoholics out there who are in remote locations, folks who travel, folks who are homebound in a myriad of other reasons and they can't get to face-to-face meetings or they want to use the online meetings as a supplement for their program. I hope you find this information this information useful. The YP stands for young people and here is why. Okay, so I cannot read this entire thing. There's a lot that is involved here with the history of First 164YP. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes for any of you that want to access these online meetings. And she says, people are participating mainly from continental Europe, but also from around the world. They're from Eastern Russia and New Zealand, uh, where it is this morning and the next day from Finland to South Africa, from Seattle, Washington, D.C., to Mexico City, to India. It is a mature international sobriety organization from the comfort of your living room, from a jogger running on the streets of Frankfurt, from a roustabout on and offshore of an, of an oil rig, and from a train or airplane with good Wi-Fi, you name it. All right, so then we kind of switched and she copied the gentleman, Dan, from Belgium, who was one of the first people who helped to establish this organization. And so I want to give them a little uh, shout out here. So, so he says, thanks, Chitana, and hello, John. Some updates to the first 164YP history below And once again, I can't go into all of this. It's just too much to read on air. But I do want to let you know this is out there. And Dan said, and I'll leave you with this. It's a reflection which he penned yesterday. I have come to, I have, I have come I, I leave you with this reflection, which I pinned yesterday. I'm so sorry. Hey, this is not perfect. It's messy, but I get it out there, right? And he says, I have come to experience the benefits of a silent, active listening skill. And I want to practice that in all my affairs. At the end of the day arrives awe and gratitude for this unique, temporary, and necessary part of creation that I have been called to play. All I have to do each day is to wake up, show up, and turn towards the light, i.e. choose the positive, and the rest develops through power greater than myself. Warmest greetings, Dan. So if you all are interested in this organization, once again, I'm going to place a link to it in the show notes. And uh, if you have any more questions, you just send me an email, john, G-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com, and I will get you in touch with Dan and Chatena from Italy. All right. 
Janice writes in, she's an Al-Anon member, and she says, Hey, John, I'm writing to you from Raleigh, North Carolina. I heard about your podcast through the recovery show hosted by Spencer T. Thank you again, Mr. Spencer. Um, I am not an alcoholic. I am actually an Al-Anon and an ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. Although I'm not an alcoholic, my life has been plagued with the effects of alcoholism. First, by a violently abusive alcoholic home for the first four years of my life. This led me to being taken out of the home, and I was adopted into a wonderful family. Wow, I thank God daily for that. Unfortunately, I was left to grow up with the scars from the severe trauma. I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. Then I got into three relationships with alcoholic, all of which were abusive. Thank God for both Al-Anon and ACA. I found Al-Anon first while in my third abusive relationship, and it was exactly what I needed at the time and a great precursor to ACA. ACA was exactly what I needed to help release me from the bondage of the paralyzing fear that I lived with all my life. Well, God bless you, Janice. Along with many other effects, it has been a lot of intense work, but I highly recommend it to anyone that has been affected by alcoholism as a child. I thoroughly enjoy your show as part of my recovery in ACA. I feel that in order to understand it completely what has happened to me and to forgive in all capital letters, I must understand the dis-ease involved. It also helps me to help others coming into coming in new to ACA. I lead a 12-step workbook study, and the people coming in have very raw, deep wounds and that they are trying to recover from. I have suggested to them that they listen to your podcast to help them better understand this disease. I have listened to almost all of your guests, oh wow, all of which are very enlightening very powerful stories. I love the way God moves through these programs. I love the way God moves through these programs as well, Janice. Anyway, I listen to your show all day long at work on my desk computer. Thank you for what you're doing. You're helping us in ways you probably don't realize. Keep giving it away, John. Thank you again, and may God bless you, Janice. Well, thank you, Janice. Thanks for all the kind words. And I'm so, um, I admire so much all the hard work that you have put into your recovery and making sure that you can change paths and making sure that you have different turning points for yourself. God bless you. Sean writes in and Sean says, I am a big fan of Sober Speak Now. I first listened about 10 days ago when I was randomly looking for talks online and I find the and I found the Ryan L talk. I'm a big sports fan so I listened to that and appreciated the format and started listening from there. I'm 30 years old, I'm 30 years old and on July 6th, God willing, I will be celebrating 4 
years of recovery. Well, God bless you, Mr. Sean. I live in Troy, Michigan, and four years ago went to rehab, and I was sick, when I was sick and tired of being sick and tired after drinking and using drugs daily for nine years, I got a sponsor and worked the steps. Well, that's the way you do it, Sean, as you know, and I love listening to talks online. Usually, I listen to XA speakers or recovery radio. Sober Speak is now in that mix. I now live with my girlfriend, an English bulldog, Gizmo. I'm an accountant and a coach, uh, basketball coach at a local high school. I owe all my successes in life to God and AA for showing me how to live. I appreciate the service you do to help others. Thank you, Sean. Well, thank you, Sean. And uh, I too owe all my successes. Everything good in my life has come as a direct result of my time in Alcoholics Anonymous. No doubt about it. And give my love to both your girlfriend and your English bulldog Gizmo. (laughs) I love that name. Hello, English bulldog Gizmo. Can you play that for him uh, while I'm talking there, Mr. Sean? Anyway, all right. So Christina writes in and Christina says, my name is Christina B., John, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now around the clock, and I love it. Exclamation point. It has helped me finally come to terms with the first step, which I've been struggling with for a while. Oh my goodness, Christina. I'm just so grateful that we can be part of your recovery here and part of your realization process. Anyway, she says, I've been stuck in a rut stopping at the liquor store after my night shifts and work at work until last week when I listened to Jerry J. Something he said completely helped me realize that I am truly an alcoholic and I want you AA people to have, that I am truly an alcoholic and I want you AA people and I want what you AA people have. I'm so sorry, Christina, for butchering that. Um, I haven't had a drink in almost a week. All right. And I feel great. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic, Christina. Anyway, uh, thank you for doing what you do, John. Can I please be added to the Facebook group? Of course you can. Oh, and here's another. She suggested, Christina suggested, maybe you could call listener feedback sound backs, just a thought. Okay. So, Hmm, I may go with that. So, okay. We've been doing listener feedback and I said in a previous episode, what else can we call listener feedback besides listener feedback? And Christina gave me an idea there. Sound backs. Uh, I think I'm going to go with it. And if I forget to do that, Christina, on the next episode, will you please remind me? Anyway, just a thought. Thanks. And she has big namaste hands and a smiley face. All right. Terry writes in and Terry says, I live in a small town just south of Kansas City. I own a landscape company, and, I'm, and I am also a partner in a CrossFit gym. I have four kids. My oldest is heading off to college in the fall. 
I've been married going on 24 years. My journey to sobriety started on April 1st, 2012, when I decided to check myself into a detox facility after about a 10-day nonstop bender. I stayed sober for about three months. Wasn't real sure what was going on with myself. I did AA meetings 30 and 30 days, never got a sponsor. On June 25th, just a few short months later, I had another weekend bender. My wife found me passed out on in the morning of her birthday around 10 a.m., and after I woke up at 7 a.m., I started drinking to chase away the, the impending anxiety. It was a disaster. She drove me directly to the detox after another few days. From then on, from then on I did get back into AA. Again, no sponsor. I went back about three years hiding my drinking from everyone and limiting it two times when I went out of town. I would sneak it when my wife drank because I knew she wouldn't know if she had been drinking herself. After about three years, I openly started drinking again on occasion. She was okay with it and thought I was, quote, healed, unquote. So for about the last three to four years, I have been drinking weekends and sometimes during the week, whenever and whenever People are drinking. As of late, I have found myself getting the anxiety again. You know what they call that, Terry? That's called restless, irritable, and discontent. Anyway, I drank in private yesterday morning after a big time day of night drinking. It went on into the night last night, and today has been horrible. This happened the last two weekends as well, drinking after a really bad drunk to cover the anxiety, that is. I have not drank today, so I have weathered the anxiety, and it's been a really long day, I imagine. Been listening to your podcast today to help get me through. All I did was type in the word sober to my podcast search, and I found your podcast. I'm listening to it right now, in fact. I've been hesitant, but I feel it's time to try another run at AA tomorrow. I don't want to go back to where I once said I would never go again, a detox facility. Lately, I have drank so much that I have considered it, but man, the shame would be horrible. I've been making it about from Monday through Friday, then it's game on. This week, I wanted that to change. There's tons more where that came from today, but thanks so much for listening. Appreciate it. Well, my friend, Mr. Terry, keep me posted. All I would say is just get to those meetings and keep reaching out and keep doing the right thing and get a sponsor and work the steps, right? It's not that complicated, but I know that it is sometimes not easy at all. It's simple, but not easy. All right. The rest of these comments, folks, to round us out are from Instagram. You guys have a lot of feedback during the week. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Says, 
Danielle writes in on Instagram. She says, hi, John. I love your podcast. She says, hi, John. It was like four exclamation points. I'm new to the fellowship and your show has helped me in between meetings. That's your tagline, right? I guess it sure is, Danielle. She said, I received my three-month chip last week and I'm trucking along one day at a time. I live in the wild and wonderful state of West Virginia, and believe me, it is wild, laugh out loud. The recovery community is coming together over the opioid epidemic we are facing in Appalachia. Tools in recovery such as your podcast are invaluable. Keep up the good work. Also, Gary K. and Doug S. are my favorite guests so far. Awesome. I look forward to hearing more of your of the recovery wisdom from you and your guests. I've passed along your podcast to countless members. You know what? In the beginning... I did not know how this thing, how this podcast was going to spread. And you know what it really comes down to? It is word of mouth and you guys. And if we put out good content, you'll tell other people and you'll help spread the message for me. And really, from the bottom of my heart, all I want to do is to get these speakers, the people who come in here and share their experience, strength, and hope, I want to get their word out to as many people as we possibly can because I know these speakers have helped me and I believe from the bottom of my heart that they can help other people. All right, Nicola writes in. Nicola? is Maybe is Nicola? Nicola? Yeah, I don't know. But she says... Hey, John, love the podcast. Well, we love you, Nicola. Nicola, I bet she is from Italy as well, but who knows? I know you hear this a lot about your life. I <laughs> I know you hear a lot about your laugh. I personally love it. Triple exclamation point. Just like in meetings where we laugh at things where most people would be shocked. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Nicola. I sure do appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of comments on my laugh, uh, both good and bad, but thank you for the uh, thumbs up on that. Stacy writes in once again on Instagram. Thank you so much, John. Every day is hard work, but worth it by the end of the day sober. I didn't see my uh, Facebook invite, uh, but I'm not very tech. Uh, perhaps I'm learning. Ha ha. I think we got it out to her. If you still don't have it, if you're still not in the group, Stacy, please let me know. Anyway, I've got you in your podcast in my ears all day, uh, helping me along. I try to remember each favorite one I come by as I keep listening that I like to listen to. Your kind and happy spirit is amazing, and you are a great interviewer. Thank you for sending love, Stacy T. from Ventura. Well, hello, Stacy out in Ventura. Uh, thank you for writing in. Thank you for all the kind words. Oh, and here was a follow-up from Stacy from Ventura. She said, okay, John M., it's me again. 
my favorite podcast I have now at this point is Brenda J. And she has been a favorite of many people's. And I, if you haven't listened to Brenda, Brenda J., uh, for those of you listening out there, uh, please go back and listen to her. It, it will knock your socks off, as my friend Jim says. Uh, she is one of the realest women I have ever heard. But really, all of your speakers so far are all winners. Uh, but I love Brenda J. As I have a similar thought process to her, and she does, as she does, and it's really helping me get hungry for more knowledge. Oh, great. I am a woman who believes very much in the Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. This wonderful woman, Brenda J., is my hero. I am so grateful for your service and doing this podcast, helping to me helping me to rebuild myself and to have a happy and to be a happy and healthy lady. Thank you again. Big smiley face twice. All right. And last but not least, Mr. J writes in and he says, thank you for your service. 30 day, 32 days and counting for me. And I have just loved diving into Sober Speak podcast this week while riding the bus after losing my license for a while. Your labor of love is appreciated and it has helped me. And I know uh, someone is going to hear something that will save their lives. Blessing from Portland. Ah, Thank you, Jay, and keep listening in. All right, so I'm going to slide this uh, on the very um, back end of this. I, I thought about whether to even say this or not because I feel a little uncomfortable doing it. But for those of you still listening in, um, I want to say this. By the time you hear this, um, I will have been by, and I truly truly mean this. I truly mean this by the grace of God. I will have been 33-0 years sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. My birthday is May 29th, 1989. And how a bozo on the bus like me can stay sober in AA for that long of a period of time, one day at a time, is absolutely beyond me. And I can tell you that you folks out there have helped me to stay sober. Some of you I know personally. Some of you I have met virtually. Some of you I just pray for. Many of you I know that are out there just listening. Um, but I know you're part of the community. And... And I just want to thank God and Alcoholics Anonymous publicly for this great gift. Thanks so much for listening in. God bless you. I think I'll be back next week. As I always say, one week at a time. Be well. And keep coming back. And when I say keep coming back... I don't mean keep coming back to this podcast, even though you can. 
I mean, keep coming back to Alcoholics Anonymous and to all the other recovery groups that you attend. Bye-bye.